SEP Fanfic Readings Presents A Thousand Words by Olive Juice 28 Chapter 15 More Treats Than Tricks The week of Halloween had everyone in high spirits. The eighth years had decided it would be fun to invite all of the first years to a costume party in the room, and Bill had given them permission to host it the night before Halloween, so no one would miss the traditional school feast. They had decided on a theme of magical creatures, which had all the first years extremely excited, and their mentors happily anticipating the event as well. Hermione had been given the job of overseeing it all, but everyone seemed to be have everything well in hand. Padma had designed the invitations, which had folded themselves into the shape of bats, and flew off to find their recipients. Hannah and Daphne were taking care of the decorations, which consisted of yards and yards of gauzy black, purple, and orange fabric, and thousands of twinkling lights. Dean had talked Hagrid into growing thirty-two pumpkins, all roughly the size of cantaloupes, so everyone could carve their own as a part of a contest. Luna had managed to tame about two dozen Cornish pixies so that they would wear white handkerchiefs, with holes cut out for eyes, and float above the heads of all of the party-goers like tiny muggle versions of ghosts. Draco had said he would handle the food, and whenever Hermione asked what he was planning, he just smirked to change the topic of discussion. Anthony and Neville had created a game involving Mimbulus Mimbletonia and a blindfold, which Hermione was rather skeptical about, but Theo had insisted on being in charge of the music for the night. The common area had been transformed the afternoon before the party. The couches and chairs in front of the fireplace had been shrunken and shoved into various chambers, so the floor there could be used for dancing. The long dining table was set along the side where the girls' rooms were, and doubled in length for the food. More of the small round tables had been conjured so everyone would have somewhere to sit, and also for the pumpkin carving. On the boys' side, Neville and Anthony's game was set up, as were a few others, more traditional ones like pin the tail on the sphinx and an rumpet horn ring toss, obviously not a real one, so no explosions to fear. Theo's dance machine, as he insisted on calling it, it was really a fairly basic DJ setup that Dean had helped him put together, but as Theo had never seen anything like it before, he was rather impressed and very proud of himself for learning how to use it, took up the corner to the right of the fireplace. Hermione was running through the final checklist when the door opened behind her, and she turned to see a tower of boxes floating into the room, seemingly on their own. A split second later, Draco appeared behind them, carrying one last enormous box in his arms, while pointing his wand at the stack in front of him. "'Can I help?' asked Hermione, worried that if she touched any of them, they'd fall. "'Nope. Just gonna set them over here,' Draco finished, gently directing the boxes to the floor right next to the long table. "'You seem to have brought enough for the whole school,' Hermione said in amazement. "'Well, I wanted a variety,' he said, grinning. "'Help me set them out?' They started opening the boxes, and Hermione saw an amazing array of treats. There were the more traditional flavors, like cauldron cakes and pumpkin pasties, but then there were also several things that she had never seen in the wizarding world, like three-inch-tall marshmallow ghosts, chocolate bonbon spiders, and mini caramel apples? She held up a small sphere, no larger than a golf ball, covered with caramel and skewered on the black stick. Yep, said Draco, as he was constructing a pyramid of small sandwiches. Do you like those? Oh, yes, beamed Hermione. They're one of my favorites. She continued to unpack the boxes, finding five jars of honeyduke sweets in one. "'Got enough sugar here?' she asked jokingly. "'Never!' Draco met her teasing glance with a mischievous grin and gave her a wink. She giggled and went back to the box, a warm feeling spreading through her while her stomach did a small backflip. Once the boxes were unpacked, the last one containing a large bowl of frothy orange punch that Draco had charmed fake eyeballs to pop up and down in— it was time for everyone to go put their costumes on and wait for their guests to arrive. 
Hermione went to her room to get ready. She had decided to go with a bright, whimsical costume for the party, a whooper, choosing to go with lime green for her feathers. She'd created the body by attaching several hundred of them to a knee-length, sleeveless, slightly darker green dress. She had painted a large papier-mâché egg in a vibrant jewel tone pattern with a small ribbon attached to the top so she could wear it on her wrist, much like a balloon-shaped purse. After piling her hair on top of her head in a loose bun, she jammed in several extra feathers in it, sticking straight up. She giggled when she looked at her reflection, thinking her first years would be amused, and she proceeded to add some bright pink lip gloss and black eyeliner to complete the look. She was excited to see what her fellow eighth years had come up with. No one had wanted to tell ahead of time, so everyone was going to be surprised. She wondered what Draco would be. Now why would that matter? She tried to convince herself that she was just as eager to see all of her friends, because that was truly what he had become to her over the past two months. Yet she couldn't help but think about the way he'd smirked when he'd winked at her, or the way he seemed to watch her in class when he didn't think she'd noticed, or how he would often wait to walk with her, even when there were other students going the same way. A small part of her believed it was because of the conversation they'd had at her kitchen table all those weeks ago. She could tell that her forgiveness had meant a great deal to him, and perhaps he was trying to show her that in his own way. A larger but steadily growing part of her wanted to think it was because he enjoyed being around her, and that maybe he might even be interested in her as more than just a friend. She knew that Draco Malfoy did not wear his heart on his sleeve, or talk about his feelings, or even show his emotions if he could avoid it. He had a habit of hiding behind a smooth, calm exterior that left others wondering if he ever felt anything at all. But she knew he did. In fact, she had a suspicion that he had felt things even deeper than most people, but had just gotten really good at shoving it all the way down to some unreachable place. He had changed, though. There was no mistaking that. He was still reserved most of the time, but since starting the year, she had seen him relax. He laughed more easily, and it was a genuine laugh, not the cruel sneer that used to cross his face. He talked more, too, engaging in conversations with everyone in their house. He would still freeze up when he got uncomfortable, and his temper would flare when he got angry, which rarely happened, but mostly he just seemed softer than before. Softer was never a word Hermione would ever have thought she would use to describe her former enemy. He had always been all hard angles and sharp words, but even his pointed chin seemed to have rounded out a little— he still had a strong jaw and chiseled features. She wondered if other parts of him were as well-defined. Her eyes flew wide as she stared at her reflection in the mirror. Nope, definitely not. We are not going there. She scolded herself for her overactive imagination, grabbed her egg, and headed back to the common room. Padma opened the door to the room for what seemed like the hundredth time that night, as another set of first-years cautiously entered the ostentatiously decorated, deafeningly loud, and mildly chaotic space. Theo had cranked up the music to the point that the very walls of the room seemed to thump with the bass, and the flickering fairy lights caused a rather dizzying effect. By the way the younger students were staring around open-mouthed and bug-eyed, it seemed clear that their mentors had duly impressed them. In no time, the room was crammed with brightly colored, wildly imaginative creatures. Hermione spotted several fairies, a few goblins, one troll, and something she thought was supposed to be a hippogriff, but she wasn't entirely sure— she wasn't surprised to see the more common magical creatures presented, but she was very pleased to note that many of the students had chosen some obscure species. Neville and his two first years had all come as bowtruckles, dressed all in mossy green with leaves sticking out of their heads. Luna had apparently convinced her two charges to follow her example, and dress like creatures Hermione was pretty sure only existed in her dreamy friend's mind, Raxperts and Nargles. 
She spotted a niffler, a mertlap, and a grindylow in the corner of the dance floor, and turned around just in time to see Draco and his first years making their way over. She couldn't stop the chuckle of appreciation that escaped her, both for his creativity and for the fact that his costume was just so him. Draco, Olivia, and Christopher had combined their efforts to become a dragon. Draco, of course, wore the head. A shiny, red, very detailed paper dragon's head sat atop his own, with glittering black eyes and gold horns. He wore a matching red jumper, as did his two teammates. Olivia was the body of the beast, with red wings flapping out of her shoulders. Christopher was clearly the tail, which had curved down around his back and up again, the point of it reaching above his head. The tall blonde smirked at her when he caught her eye, and pointed his wand at the dragon's snout, causing a puff of smoke to curl out from its nostrils. Hermione's eyes widened in delight. "'Admit it, Granger,' he drawled with a hint of his old arrogance. "'You're impressed.' His smile took the edge off his words, and she knew he was playing with her. "'Hmm, yes,' she nodded, scrutinizing the trio. Directing her words to the two younger ones, she winked conspiratorially at them. "'I'm impressed anyone could hold that dragon's head up, big as it is.' The boy and the girl giggled, glancing up at their mentor, who was pretending to be highly offended. "'Somehow I don't think you're referring to my costume, Granger,' Draco sniffed. "'Whatever would make you think that?' she asked sweetly. "'Well,' he took in her bright green creation with a slow, roving gaze from her head to her feet, and back up again, until he met her sparkling eyes with teasing in his own. "'At least I don't look like I lost a pillow fight with an easel.' They all burst into laughter, and Draco waved his dragon parts off to go join their friends, turning his attention back to the feathery vision beside him. "'Green looks good on you,' he commented. "'But what exactly are you?' "'I'm a fooper, of course,' she huffed in irritation, that it hadn't been immediately obvious. "'Ah, yes, of course,' he pretended to recognize the species now as he looked at her again. Hermione rolled her eyes and poked him in the ribs with her elbow. He let out an exaggerated, "'Oof!' but they both grinned at each other. "'Your dragon head really is amazing,' she admitted. "'And I love the color!' She winked at him then, and strolled across the dance floor to her trio of first-years, who had all decided to be different winged magical creatures. Darla was a phoenix, Allison was a Cornish pixie, and Malcolm was an Ockamy. Draco stood there for a moment, watching her interact with her younger counterparts. It was not lost on him that they had chosen to wear each other's former house color. It had truly been coincidental on his part— or at least he hadn't consciously chosen the Gryffindor hue. He knew Fwoopers came in several bright colors, so her preference for green was intriguing to him. He tried not to read anything into it, but he couldn't help the smile that tipped up on the edge of his mouth. She was adorable, with those feathers sticking straight up at the top of her head, and her eyes had appeared even bigger than usual with the makeup she'd worn, not to mention the shiny pink color on her lips. Stop thinking about her lips! He gave himself a little shake, allowed one more eyeful of lime-colored cuteness to be committed to memory, and joined the rest of the chaos on the dance floor, where everyone was happily occupied dancing, snacking, and chatting, until the current song came to an end, and Dean called everyone to attention. "'All right, you lot!' he exclaimed to a raucous chorus of cheers and applause. "'Glad to see everyone is having a good time. We've got some fantastic stuff planned for the evening, so let's get to it!' Again, his announcement was met with whoops and hollers from the excited crowd. First, we're going to have a pumpkin carving contest. Everyone here gets their own pumpkin, and you can create any design you want. The only rule is, you have to do it the muggle way. This proclamation was met with incredulous silence, and wide eyes stared from the majority of the first and eighth years. No magic, Dean continued, grinning broadly. 
You'll find spoons, carving knives, markers, and various other tools in the center of each round table. There's also a bin at each one for the slimy insides. Dean was now gleefully chortling at the look of horror on several faces. You'll get thirty minutes to complete this task. Hermione joined him at the front of the crowd and waved her wand. A large version of the sand timer had been used for several games appeared on the mantle. Go ahead and choose your pumpkins, she directed. Thirty magical creatures started shuffling around, trying to find the perfect canvas for their soon-to-be masterpieces. The Halloween party was a smashing success. The first years had stumbled out the door just before midnight, most of them nearing sugar-induced comas. The pumpkin carving contest had resulted in three creations tying for first place. Padma won for the eighth years, as did one of her first years, and one of Luna's. They each received giant bars of Honeyduke's chocolate and shiny silver ribbons pinned on their pumpkins. Dean had gotten permission from the headmistress to display all of the finished pumpkins in the Great Hall the next morning, which the younger students were extremely excited about. It was rare that first years received recognition for anything, and they were all very proud of their artwork. Even Malcolm had admitted it was fun, although he quickly stopped talking when he saw his mentor approaching. Hermione had made good on her decision not to go to extremes for the surly young boy— since her chat with Hagrid, she had consistently met with Malcolm in the library. For the first time, he had seemed shocked but made no comment about the lackluster spot. She had compiled a list of questions to ask him, and even though most of his answers consisted of one or two words, she was slowly learning more about the belligerent Gryffindor. One thing she knew for sure was that the new student had still not made any close friends, not even in his own house. She wasn't exactly surprised, but she felt sorry for him all the same. During one of the sessions, she was telling him a few details about the Triwizard Tournament, which he actually seemed interested in, when she saw his gaze follow someone across the vast expanse of shelves. Draco had started to empty his bag on a table a few rows down from theirs, and Malcolm was watching him with obvious skepticism and curiosity. Deciding this could either go really well or really badly, Hermione crossed her fingers and called her housemate over. Draco, surprised by the summons, made his way over to their table. "'Need something, Granger?' He smiled at her and nodded at her companion, who was staring at him with narrowed eyes. "'This is Malcolm Fraser,' introduced Hermione. "'He's a Gryffindor, and one of my first years.' "'It's nice to meet you, Malcolm,' Draco greeted the boy, still wondering why he'd been beckoned over. He recognized the boy from the first day as the mentors were paired up, and knew he wasn't in the presence of an admirer. He looked back at the brunette witch and cocked an eyebrow in question. "'I was wondering if you'd be willing to share a little bit about what your time at Hogwarts was like for you, before this year.' Hermione said tentatively. She had a pleading look in her eyes as she met Draco's, willing him to understand what she was asking. Upon hearing her question, Draco felt his stomach clench, and Malcolm stiffened and whipped his head around to stare at her like she had just sprouted an antenna. Draco studied Hermione's face for a second more, realizing this was not just some random gossip session he'd been brought into. He nodded and pulled out a chair, settling in next to her and pinning Malcolm with a solemn look. Well... I'm sure you know my family were big supporters of Voldemort. He watched as Malcolm's eyes widened, some of the smugness sliding off his face. The younger students simply nodded. My father had always held extreme pureblood beliefs, which is how I was raised. I grew up hating anyone and anything that didn't meet that standard. I assumed I was better than everyone else. Not only that, but I considered Muggleborns to be scum, barely human. Draco's cheeks burned with shame, and he felt Hermione shift beside him, her arm now touching his. That prejudiced mindset kept me from making friends. It made people think of me as a bully, and a prat, which it was, honestly. He chuckled, but it lacked any humor. 
and Hermione nudged his arm a little, giving him a tight-lipped smile. Draco shook his head in response and continued. It also led my father to become one of Voldemort's most loyal subjects. He did whatever he was told, and he offered me up in the same way. I was expected to follow orders, whether that meant spying on, torturing, or even killing someone. He took a deep breath, holding Malcolm's now slightly horrified gaze. I didn't have a choice. If I didn't do what I was told, I would be killed, and so would my mother. So I did awful things, things I am not proud of, things I will never forget, things I will spend the rest of my life trying to earn forgiveness for. His throat constricted, and he took a moment to collect himself while Hermione moved even closer to him, her knee now pressing against his own. Her close proximity was both a comfort and a cause for yet another pang of guilt to pierce his heart. I wasted so much time, Malcolm. I missed out on the last two years of my life because I chose the wrong side. I missed out on all sorts of stuff even before that. I dismissed the mere thought of friendship with anyone besides my pure-blood housemates, but I honestly didn't even really care about them. He shook his head and gave another self-deprecating chuckle. I spent two months in Azkaban figuring out what I really believe and what I would do with my life if I ever got out. I don't want to be who I was before. He pinned the young Gryffindor with a challenging expression. Don't ever let what you think you know about someone keep you from finding out who they really are. Don't judge so quickly. And when you make a mistake, because you most certainly will, be willing to admit it and ask for forgiveness. Draco chanced a glance at Hermione, who was watching him intently, her eyes sparkling with unshed tears, but also with what looked like pride. It made his heart swell, and he wanted to give her a million more reasons to look at him like that. She met his gaze solidly, and gave just the slightest nod of approval. The corners of her lips began turning up in a small smile, and he felt his own cheeks hitch up the tiniest bit. Bolstered by her support, he turned back to Malcolm, who was now looking down at the table, his cheeks slightly pink. Without looking up at the older students, he spoke in a low voice. I do that a lot. What do you do, Malcolm? Hermione asked gently. I judge people. I think I'm better than them. Is that why you haven't made many friends this term? His cheeks flushed even brighter, and he scowled at the table, reluctantly nodding. Do you think it would be worth trying to do things differently? Malcolm looked first at his mentor, and then at her blonde friend and nodded again, more slowly, and with a smaller frown on his face. Releasing a breath she didn't know she was holding, Hermione smiled at her young charge. I think that's brilliant, Malcolm. Still slightly embarrassed by the whole conversation, the first year nodded again and dropped his gaze back to the table. Why don't you head back on to your house? I'll see you at the group dinner on Wednesday. Hermione could tell he was ready to escape, which he proved by immediately packing up his bag and practically running to the open library doors. She turned to Draco, hoping he wasn't angry that she'd roped him into that awkward encounter, and found him studying her with a piercing look that caused her breath to catch in her throat. Thank you, Malfoy, she said sincerely. I think maybe, just maybe, you got through to him. Goodness knows I haven't been able to. Draco nodded, still regarding her thoughtfully. I hope so. The world doesn't need another me running around sneering at everyone, does it? He smirked slightly, and she knew he wasn't angry. I don't think there ever could be another you, she replied softly, allowing herself to get lost in the pewter gray eyes for just a moment. Those eyes widened slightly at her admission, and she smiled, tilting her head as if in deliberation. You're one of a kind, Malfoy. With that, she stood up, slid her bag onto her shoulder. Draco remained rooted to the seat, quite flabbergasted. She patted him on the shoulder as she rounded the table, 
heading towards the doors.